So both my parents actually did track. So growing up, we will, especially in the summer, we will go on on the beach in Greece and my dad would always make me compete you know against myself I'm the oldest one too so there was no over you know maybe my cousins and we would always do like standing long jump on the sand or sprinting and it was perfect too because I had a, a guy cousin that was two years older uh, so I had always somebody to chase you know uh, and I think that helped a lot uh, so I feel like that was the And I was very competitive from that young of an age. Everybody would say I was very competitive. Um, Then my parents worked uh, maybe one month over the summer in this like camp of the Greek National Bank. And they had, you know, all kinds of sports like team sports, individual sports. And I feel like there too, I got involved in like every single one and kind of figured out I don't do so good in team sports. Like, I had the athletic ability for them, but I would get very, very easily, like, irritated when I felt like I was doing good and somebody else wasn't. All right, my name is Damian Warner. I'm Clayton Murphy. Javian Oliver. I'm Chris Nils. This is Fred Curley. I'm Justin Gatlin. I'm Katerina Stefanidi. I'm Michael Norman. I'm Ahmed Ahmed. I'm Raven Saunders. This is Tiana Daniels. I'm Darrell Hill. And this is Personal Podium. And this is Personal Podiums. This is Personal Podiums. And this is Personal Podiums. Personal Podiums is a podcast featuring the world's best athletes who spend their careers striving for the podium. We believe everyone can find inspiration in an athlete's journey, so we created a platform to amplify the stories that make them who they are. A virtual podium, if you will. We're your hosts. I'm Marielle Hall. I'm Jared Walker. And I'm Dan Fitzgerald. Greece looms large in the Olympic movement. It's the birthplace of the Games, after all. And Katarina Stefaniti is one of Greece's greatest champions. She's a pole vaulter whose dominance in that event is unmatched. Some accolades, collegiate national champion while at Stanford, four-time Diamond League champion, three-time European champion, three-time Olympian who took home the gold from Rio in 2016. Her story is marked by bold choices and punctuated here with her humility and sense of humor. Let's let her pick it up again. Here's Kat. I'm Katerina Stefanidi. This is Personal Podiums. So, and and I will say too that my my father also pushed me against them too. He he played basketball after he triple jumped, so I think he kind of maybe had the very similar experience too. Uh, and I've, I started bowling at a very young age after the Sydney Olympics in 2000, which was actually the first year that there was women's pole vault in the Olympics. Um, my dad was like, oh, you need to go try this one. I was pretty good in gymnastics. I was pretty fast. So we kind of went and tried it. And I would say smaller countries and especially kind of East European countries are pretty intense. So at 10 years old, I had to start going like train three days a week or I wasn't taking it seriously at 10. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was not taking it seriously. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't know if I can quite qualify as a choice because my parents really pushed me towards it, but it was to move to the US in 2008 to attend Stanford, which might sound crazy to anybody, but I didn't want to go. (laughs) Quick note here for the uninitiated. 
Stanford is hallowed ground and track and field circles. If there were a Mount Rushmore for schools uh, in collegiate track and field, Stanford would definitely be there as, up there with Oregon, Arkansas, LSU, UT. It's one of the great powerhouse track schools. Back to Kat. I mean, you have to understand, you know, I had I had only left Greece for a few international competitions. Uh, I had never actually been to the U.S. I didn't take my recruiting visit. Um, so I had literally no idea where I was going other than some pictures. Um, I think that changed me as a person. Uh, just moving to another country by myself, I think I found enjoyment in the sport again. Uh, I, I left a little tiny country. I had actually broken if, like the world youth record, so there was a ton of pressure on me at around 15 years old. So I, I think that saved me and kept me in the sport at an age where I wanted to stop. And to be honest, after my freshman year, even at Stanford, I loved Stanford so much, of course. I was trying to find other type of scholarships to stay at Stanford, but no continue. Yeah, no continued sport. And and then I was lucky uh, that there was a coach switching, which I don't think I don't think I had no issue really with the, the, my freshman coach. But the Toby Stevenson came in, who was the silver medalist in, in the Athens Olympics, and. I think it was very motivational for me because he was one of my favorite vaulters because he always seemed to really enjoy what he was doing. Yeah. So again, I can't say that this was, I think just Stanford in general and just that choice of leaving Greece and going to the US, I think that was huge. Um, one thing I love about Katerina's story is she just never really played it safe. It felt like her ambition and her decision-making was all based on what would challenge her rather than what would make her feel safe and more accepted. I studied human biology at Stanford and minor in psychology. One of my biggest battles with my husband and coach now was to start doing mental training he's like you studied psychology and I said and this is exactly why I don't want to do it I know how research is done but I will say I hate to admit it but it has helped a lot uh, and especially in in I think in an event like the pole maybe even more because there's a little bit of a fear involved too um, it has helped a lot and a lot of the seasons where I haven't started so well it's because I wasn't doing it. Oh, I don't want to say because, but partly because I wasn't doing it. And then he would force me to start doing it and the season would always start to get better. But no, it's not because I studied it. <laughs> <laughs> so after Stanford, I moved to Phoenix. I trained with Nick Harsung there and I actually did really well. I think I jumped 477 with him. I got my first couple European championship medals with him. Um, I met who is now my coach and husband. We were teammates there. And in 2015, we decided to leave Phoenix together and move to Ohio, which actually we weren't trying to move to Ohio. We were just trying to move somewhere where we can find an indoor facility. Um, so I had noticed a practice that what Mitch would tell me started to help me a lot more than what the, the coach Nick was telling me at the time. And, and I think part of the reason why was Mitch learned pole vault with Nick's dad, actually. And Nick's dad was very similar to the coach I grew up with. So we had this very similar 
technical background. So a lot of the things Mitch told me uh, helped me massively and made me feel like myself again in Povos. So so we took this big decision that he was going to coach me, now going into an Olympic year, right? Uh, and we were going to move somewhere where there was indoor. And we, we looked up a few places that ended up in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, we trained at Spire Institute. And in 2015, after Beijing, uh, everybody was against it. And Mitch hadn't really coached anybody before other than some high school kids at the club we were coaching at. So it was definitely a, a big decision, but I think it motivated both of us so much to like show that we can do it, that it, I think it made a big difference that year in particular. For us, it worked because Mitch is very laid back. And I think one of the things he did and helped me as a coach was take me a little bit further away from this like Eastern European mentality that there's one way to do this and you have to do this. And then once you're out of the track, you have to do this. And, you have, and it's not that we did any less, you know, rehab or eating well. In fact, we did. I feel like we did everything better, but it didn't feel like a job. I think we had this very good balance of okay, we have this life of track and field and then we have this life outside of it. And I think that maybe this, I don't know, maybe took pressure off of it too, that you know what, it's okay if it doesn't go well because we have this life outside of it too. Um, and I think this is a little bit of why it worked. I, I think it, it made me realize that this is just part of who I am and what I do, but not all of it. Really love this next story from Kat. I call it freedom in the fourths. She placed fourth in Tokyo after years of dominance, 2016's gold medal, followed by four Diamond League championships, three European championships. She was unstoppable. So any headline coming out of a meet would be Katarina loses. She was always on defense. After Tokyo, though, she saw opportunity, opportunity to go in and prove herself again, to go into every meet to win rather than to defend. Here's Kat. We pushed this longer series of poles, which, uh, I mean, looking back to Tokyo, maybe it was a bad idea because I just didn't have enough time to get used to them. But looking forward, I think is what's going to make me jump higher. And for this, actually, what Luella and I were talking about coming here, um, I think after Rio, there was this pressure. And for five years, both both Mitch and I felt like every meet we went to, we had to not lose. Because the headline would be so-and-so beats Olympic champion, you know? Or people would say, oh, what's wrong with Katarina? But it's just like the normal cycle. You know, I had injuries, I had bad days. And now, after Tokyo, we feel a little freer, as if like, we're going into meets to win. We're going into meets to show what we've done, not worrying about losing. And, and it's a very, a very different feeling. And, and this is why I say this about the polls coming back, because I do think that maybe things could have gone a little different in Tokyo had we stuck with what we've done for the last five years. But we took a big risk because we thought it would take five meters to win in Tokyo. And I, in my head, I cannot jump five meters on the shorter poles. I need the longer ones. And I didn't, but I think in the future, I need those balls to do that. And okay, maybe it didn't work this time, but there's only three years until the next one. And really like Lalan reminded me, there's like 15 championships in the next three years. So 
I think that's something I'm very proud of. I think people for years have told me, oh, you need to go to the longer poles. And I think we've played it safe, staying on the shorter ones. So that that's a big change. It hasn't quite worked out yet, but maybe, maybe soon. Um, and I think everything else I would say is adjusting and every year you just have to adjust to something different some years i'm very strong mentally where you put a pole in my hand and i'll take a jump no matter what and other years i'm weaker mentally and we have to you know work a little more on visualization and the running technique and the actual technique so i think more than a specific technical change I think is being able to adjust to what I need you know what different thing I need every year so I don't know if this is something because maybe I started elite sport so young is I don't know if I learned this through experience or through seeing it around me or through coaches telling me my whole life but you have to take every competition and every championship and every win and every failure and just make them be the same and act the same against them and with success or failure we give it 24 hours and then you're back and truly like even the day we were going into to tokyo and really actually in rio too which is very you know such such different experiences we said this is just another track meet and in five years it won't matter what had happened in this track meet. And and we really go into most championships and most meets this way. And and I think this is why in success I don't go crazy and you know, not be able to compete the rest of the year. And in failure I'm I'm ready in a couple of days to keep going because this is what we do and sport has both. Um, so I don't think it's so much staying positive. I think it's staying realistic with what our job is. There's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. And I, and I think maybe the one thing that has helped me maybe later in my career is starting to be able to be happy for other athletes' success. I think it's it's something that takes time and maturity, but you realize that somebody else doing good doesn't take away from your own success or from your previous success. So I think it, ha- it has been something that in my bad days, I've been able to, to take some happiness from what my competitors and friends did. Okay, so picture this. You have a 12-foot-ish long pole at the end of a runway. You run as fast as you can down that runway. During your final few steps, you lift that pole over your head and then jam the other end of that pole into a metal box. You pull back on the pole and theoretically, this combination of speed and strength and sheer will gets you over the bar hovering in the middle of the air. Sound crazy? Because it absolutely is. And craziness needs community. It lends itself to creating a really special community. First of all, I think that we maybe know each other a lot better because we're forced to. Um, I think we know each other a lot better because we've had to help each other so many times with, you know, somebody losing polls, you have to borrow this person polls. So I think there is like a little bit of a different community sense within the pole vault maybe for because we all know how difficult it is to travel with polls. And then there, I mean, there's definitely a big difference in, in 
all the field events, but maybe a little more in the pole vault because it has that that natural climax, like the high jump, where the bar goes up and up and up, and people, you know, keep going out, as opposed to you know the long jump where you can have the longest jump in the first attempt. Where I think, like, constantly within the competition, the atmosphere amongst the competitors changes. And I think somebody else making a big bar and their excitement after making it, I think, gives you something, too. And this is why I've always said, I don't... When I was younger, I always said, oh, I wish I can be so good where I can go into every championship and not have anybody who is competing against me. But I don't feel that way anymore. I love this competition feeling where we're all right there and pushing each other. I feel like that energy that we can give to each other is what is really pushing us to, to be better. Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know. I Many times I've said this and I mean, my biggest competitor until now has been Sandy and I always say I want Sandy to jump higher because I know it will push me to jump higher. And people think that I'm just saying this to, to be nice or, you know, sound humble. But I, I truly mean it. I think other people jumping high is what is pushing us all. I think I just really love pole vaulting. I mean, it can be really frustrating at times, for sure. <laughs> but but generally, you know, 80% of the time I love it. Uh, I really enjoy practicing again 80 percent of the time <laughs> um i and i think this is kind of what kept me in i when i was younger i would say at 12 13 14 i thought yes i will be an olympic champion but then things changed a lot and at 2012 if you told me in four years you're gonna win i will laugh and even in 2015 when we started training that olympic year i said my goal is to make the olympic final so Obviously, like your goals change very much with how the seasons are going. And if this year, when, when I was fourth in Tokyo, the first thing that my husband said is just think back five years ago when we started training together. You told me that your goal was to make the Olympic final and now you're upset for getting fourth, you know, after you already have won one. So I think it kind of like brings perspective to things. And, and no, I, I would have never thought in 2012 I would win, but I just kept vaulting because I really liked it. We're about to jump into the last part of the show where Dan eloquently reads the credits. Uh, I know you really like that part. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is just stay a little bit longer after the credits because we got something nice for you. All right. Cool. Personal Podiums is hosted by Marielle Hall, Jarek Walker, and Dan Fitzgerald. Our show is edited by Anaya Keenan. Music provided by Blue Dot Sessions. I want to send a special thank you and shout out to our friends at Nike Running for giving us access to Katerina Stefaniti ahead of the 2021 Prefontaine Classic. So... I definitely like the days we pole vault. <laughs> and generally, and the older I get, honestly, I really think that there's nothing like doing your event. I think if you want to be faster, you need to be sprinted. If you want to pole vault higher, you need to be pole vault. You know, I, I think it's, it's very simple. And I think everything else that we do around it is to stay healthy, get a little stronger, get a, li a little faster maybe. But I just think that like, if you want to pole vault, you need, you need to pole vault. And we do 
a lot of we take a lot of jumps. I, I think I probably take a lot more jumps than a lot of my competitors uh, from, you know, just talking to them while we compete. Um, I can tell you what I don't like and it's pre <laughs> it's, it's pre-season and anything that involves any cardio, which I say this as we're about to actually move to Denver at 8,000 feet. The first few times we went there, I couldn't sleep at altitude. It, now I'm starting to really get used to it and I can't say it's not affecting me in workouts, but because we, we get like a big break in between anyways, it's not that big of a deal. And I think I'll get used to it when, once we're there more than a month in a row. And maybe it helps me because I'm so bad at <laughs> cardio, but just like anything over like sprinting a hundred meters. In fact, I will tell you the story. For the first time ever last year, we decided to run a mile. It was like our first week of practice. This might be very embarrassing. I hope. <laughs> I hope nobody hears it. <laughs> and and I thought maybe you cut this out. Okay. So going to the track that day, I I told Mitch, "Do you think I can break ten minutes?" And he said, "I don't know." And I was like, "Come on, I can break ten minutes." I did not. I did not break. I I ran ten o two. I even tried to sprint at the end to make it because like see, and then I was very upset. So we came back a week later, <laughs> and I actually ran eight thirty, which is still terrible. But I broke ten minutes. So now I have this to say. I've actually broken nine minutes. <laughs>